Do you want to go first? I always go first. Why do I always go first? Because it's the podcast named after you. Well, yeah, but I'm not that smart. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> Welcome to episode six, right, of Ask Pastor Jeff Anything, the podcast that implies not only that I have answers, but that there are answers, because we ask the big questions. Uh, coming to you from Trinity United Methodist Church in Lincoln, Nebraska, an awesome congregation, and uh, we've been trying to figure out how to help our people go deeper, and we hope that this is good not only for the folks at Trinity, but for anyone that finds it. Uh, and thanks to Michael and the band for recording the intro. We try to slip that in every now and then. And I'm here with Jody Renee Giron. Yes, sir. Good morning. That's all you got? I know. I'm I'm deeply immersed in our question already. Sorry. Well, okay. It is it is worth being deeply immersed in. <laughs> um, so, um, well, let's see. We're about to do the question, and I'm being all spontaneous here. Can I tell you about? one of the icons that I have on the wall in my office and why I bought it. There's more than one. So you can't, yeah, you can't see this on the podcast, but as soon as I said that, her eyes start wandering the room. I have, what, I have three? Oh, one of them's actually not hanging. I have two hanging. But one of them is of John of the Cross, mm -hmm. one of my favorite uh, saints or whatever term you want to use, figure from Christian history. If you've ever heard the term dark night of the soul, that comes from him. Most people don't really understand what it means. Shoot, I'm still on the journey of understanding what it means, but yeah. there's some there's some bad definitions of it out there yes. that aren't his. But the reason I chose this particular icon of John of the Cross is because, I'm going to try to look up and not look too far away from the microphone, because it has Arabic writing on it. And there's a reason it has Arabic script on it. It's because his, oh, let's see, what was it? His mother, I think, is from that lineage and that background. Mm -hmm. He grew up in Spain, is a Christian saint, and one of the few that the Catholic Church has named a doctor of the church, which means that his writings are especially uh, reliable and trustworthy. But he was shunned by the church for a long, long time because people thought he was too Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love that there is a solidly Christian, quote, doctor of the church, who was accused of being too Buddhist, whose background is, if not Islamic, at least Arabic influence. And yes. I love that all of that is captured in that icon, among mm -hmm. other things, too. So, okay, so this is my way of getting into the question. Jody Renee, all lay right. it on us. So this was this was a good question. I got excited about this one. Uh, Nikki wrote in, is there any room for reincarnation belief in Christianity? If I believe in reincarnation and that Jesus is one of many paths to salvation, does that mean I need to stop calling myself a Christian? A good question. It is. And one that we all need to wrestle with. You know, we started out this podcast, episode one, by talking about the great emergence and the, the, the rummage sale and mm -hmm. how the church now has to ask questions that it didn't used to have to ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, people who grew up 100 years ago might live their whole life and never encounter another religion. But now it's a question that we must wrestle with. Yes. Wrestling. There's so many different entry points on this one. And you just said the 100 years ago... But I was also thinking about how this changes our long church history of 
what we call missions or even evangelizing people was a lot very often based on the idea that holy cow we need to go quote unquote save everybody tell them about jesus right because it's the only way it's the only path right there's um and that's so much of missions was based on that we're going to save people from their pagan religions or mm-hmm. i mean use whatever word you want the, the real intention was non-christians that yes. jesus is the only way and that, to me, that immediately leads to the questions, does that mean God doesn't care about someone that hasn't been reached by a missionary yet? Right. So some, some baby is born in the middle of nowhere, a desert or a yep. jungle. Boy, I'm bringing in every stereotype here. Yep. But I'm just saying, even if you live in that era, if a baby is, quote, unlucky enough to be born where they haven't been reached by a missionary... God doesn't care about them. Right. It puts so much responsibility on us imperfect people yeah. to travel to places before airplanes were even invented. It just doesn't work. It doesn't, doesn't hold work. together. It doesn't work for that reason. It also doesn't work because you hear, you know, now we, because we have access to all this great anthropology and we find out about cultures that for thousands of years have had these deep spiritual practices that actually created kind of an inner sense of love and community and morality. And we are going to dismiss that as being not of God or not of the spirit. One of the formative experiences of my life was uh, traveling to Mozambique during seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always had a uh, an immersion where you go and live the life in a totally di- live the Christian life in a totally different culture to see to see what it's like. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited to go to Mozambique. It's in a, a southern Africa. If you know the country of South Africa and the tip, it's up the uh, eastern shoreline from there. And it was wonderful and fascinating. I will just say. Never sit shotgun in the car because they drive. They drive on the, the like it's it's like European style. The driver okay. sits on the right instead of the left. Yep. So I sat on the left, which means my brain was constantly saying, "You're driving." Yes. Meanwhile, we're on the wrong side of the road, and traffic signals are just, well, they're not even suggestions. Let's just okay. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but one of the first big influences is we went to church. And here these people that sing, you know, yeah. as we show up to the guest house, we were saying the uh, the people who take care of it just start singing to welcome us. They'd circle up and mm. sing everywhere we went. There'd be clapping, there'd be dancing. There was this high-pitched sound that mm-hmm. they made, you know, enjoy as they sing. And then comes time for church, and I'm like, oh, man, I am excited to see their worship. Mm-hmm. And all the men put on ties, the women wore dresses, they sat in their pews very quietly, held their hymnals, and sang European hymns that were not very loud. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> I really was hoping that story was going to go somewhere else. <laughs> oh, I, I, I played you hook, line, and sinker no, there with kidding. my storytelling. But you get the point, right? Right. Well, and so that's it, part of my beef with it, is that when we talk about missions and even and, um, evangelizing, we're not taking Jesus to people. We're taking white, Eurocentric church i love boring european hymns but they have it, context it wasn't work. yeah they have context it wasn't <laughs> working for them no and in the meantime when the time came for the offering in the service mm-hmm. it was the one time in the hold on darn service mm-hmm. when they sang and danced their own songs mm-hmm. 
and instead of passing the plates, they had one basket up in there. Not not basket. It was like a bag. It was like a permanent reusable bag on uh -huh. with handles, but it like went all the way from your hands to the floor. And one guy stood there in the front, and everybody came up the center aisle and put their offering in it, hmm. and then went back to their seats. Kind of how we do communion. Sure. And they sang and they danced, and it was the giving that was the most moving part of the whole service. Hmm. And I thought it was just so interesting that it was it was with the giving where they let themselves be themselves. Now on the other side, because I'm I'm a devil's advocate, sure. which is ironic for a pastor, but hey, it's who I am. The missionaries of the day would respond by saying that there were also bad practices that were unhealthy going on. Okay. That were worth countering practices that were harmful, uh -huh. practices that were wielding power mixed in with religion of the people of the day. Sure. So I always hate to just throw missionaries under the bus, old school missionaries right. under the bus, right. because we don't totally understand their context as well. Yeah. But from where from where we sit today, it is clear that there was way more baby thrown out with the bathwater. Boy, that was a terrible metaphor. To that choose. really was. But there's eighty-five percent of the baby was. <laughs> but there was way more good thrown out than there should have been. Yeah. We see. We see today. Yeah. Well, and it's just a sad fact that now we can see the effects of colonialization, which is really right more of what happened with that then. Okay, so we're going off on a t uh, on a typical and enjoyable, I hope, Jeff and Jody Renee yeah. rabbit hole. Let's go back to the question. Yes. So what what is the relationship of Christianity to other religions then? You you're probably already guessing that me and I assume Jody Renee here both think that there is value in other religions, that that is a place where uh, God is, well, certainly capable of working and does work. But Absolutely. what is the relation then? Why are you looking at me? Well, I'm trying to let you go first more because okay. I, I talk too much. Well, I was thinking, you know, I don't know where you stand on because we started to talk about this one time. If the question is, is there more than one path Oh, the many spokes of the same wheel argument. Yeah. 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 What do you think? Okay, so here's, here's the thing. You used a word there that to me makes that question way more complex and also gets into where I'm still a little undecided, to be totally honest with you. Okay. Are there many paths to, wait for it, salvation? Mm -hmm. What is salvation? I am a firm believer that salvation is way more than just heaven when you die. Oh, gosh, yes. Now, oftentimes it gets boiled down to that. Yeah. And you know what? I think many, maybe even all of us start there. So if, if, you, if that's your idea of what salvation is listening today, know that that's, that's fine. It's actually, I mean, it's, it's a starting place that many of us start mm -hmm. from, but I, I hope we can push you a little bit more too. Mm -hmm. Because salvation is more than just that. I mean, we, we continue to grow. We continue on the journey all of our life. If there's a moment when we're saved and then we just check out, yeah, we're done. What does that mean? Well, first of all, what's the point? Second of all, is God really so great if there isn't more to discover, if there right. is, isn't more to grow in? Right. Uh, so what is salvation? That's the other thing. Yeah. So let, let, me re, let, me, let me answer by reframing your question. Okay. Because I'm still not entirely sure what salvation is. I'll be totally honest with you. Yeah. I, that's a question I'm still wrestling with. Maybe it's not even a helpful word. Okay, it's another, it's another wrestle. <laughs> uh, so I would say this. I cannot deny that I have seen God working 
in other religions in addition to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Now, I say, ironically taking a breath, <laughs> I, say, I say figuratively in the same breath, mm-hmm. that I also believe that there is something distinctive about Christianity. Otherwise, I don't think I could call myself a Christian pastor. I am really wrestling with my language here because I'm not happy with it. It's a, it's, I'm really not happy with it. There's no good landing place that doesn't make it start to become either exclusive in a weird, weird way. Right. What I don't want to say is, I know better than all the other religions. Right. That's, that's what I'm trying to avoid. Right. But at the same time, the best, the best language I've come up with is that I believe that Jesus is the fullest revelation of God. And that is not to discount the ways that God works in other religions. I think there's even an argument to be made that Christ, notice how I switched from the human of Jesus to the the broader term of Christ. I, I think there's even an argument to be made that Christ is present in other religions in some ways. That's probably another rabbit hole to go down. Yes, but a good one. Yes, but, but. I, what I'm trying to do is walk that fine line of saying that I see what God is doing in other religions, but at the same time, I believe that Jesus is the fullest revelation. And I think it's almost a separate topic, a separate a separate answer to say that I am Christian because that's the path that I feel called to walk. Yeah. And I would not fault someone who walks another path. Here's where I get back into the elitism I don't like again. Mm-hmm. Even though I think Jesus is yeah, the fullest the revelation. Fullest. I don't know. I just babbled for a while trying to walk a fine line. I like the fullest. Stumbling along it. I like that language. I don't see a problem with that because I am probably more universal in my approach to how we find God or experience God or know God but for me I will always say that I think and believe that Jesus is a distinct that's always the word I go to Ah, Jesus is a distinct revelation of God and for me Jesus is the best way for me that's my experience but that at the end of the day I'm still prone to believe that all truth is God's truth and especially because of the woundings the church has dealt out like you know candy on a corner I think that God makes room for the fact that some people won't find their way to God through those means. Yeah. There's another thing that I have seen happen over and over again. What I've been a pastor for, is it 16 years coming up on? I don't know. I've been a pastor like long enough that I... I always want to tease you're old, but then I remember I'm older than you. (laughs) Only barely. (laughs) But I've got some gray in my beard here, Mm. so whatever kind of wisdom I can share. uh, 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 I have seen over and over again people who have been hurt by the church, but God finds a way to get through to them them anyway. Oh, the story... um, What I did in a sermon a little while back, uh, one one of my favorite examples, a big picture guy that I am, isn't an example of a person, but an entire culture, (laughs) and that would be Our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the way overgeneralized version is that the Aztecs, uh, 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 I don't want to use the word pagan, it has too much baggage. Their, their religion before the colonists arrived, mm-hmm. before the missionaries arrived, was to worship uh, what was essentially an angry sun god. Now again, way overgeneralized, just, just yeah. bear with me a minute. Right, right. <laughs> so how does Christianity first come to them? 
through conquistadors, also known as angry, violent men. Yeah, I was going to say rapers and pillagers, but we'll go <laughs> <Yes>. with yours. <laughs> but angry, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, and the missionaries that represented and supported them in the name of Christ. Now, I'm sure there were good missionaries doing good work, because once again, I hate to always just throw them under the bus. Yeah. But once again, the face that came to the Aztecs was one that was, you get the point. Yeah. Did God let that be the final answer? No. Right. Instead, the miracle of Our Lady of Guadalupe happened where um, uh, Juan Diego, Mm -hmm. right? Juan Mm -hmm. Diego had a vision, who was a peasant, had a vision of a brown-skinned pregnant Mary. And this, there's a whole story around that vision. You should go look it up if you don't know it. But here's the thing. People with an angry sun god who were, whose first vision of Christianity, I shouldn't say vision, whose first experience of Christianity was angry, violent men. God came to them in vulnerability. Yep. A, a, a woman, because women are vulnerable. I'm just saying there's a gender well, thing. Well, especially then. Yeah. Right, but then most certainly. And culturally, we culturally, still are. Right. Yeah. Uh, and one who was pregnant above all of that, thus upping the vulnerability a little bit, Mm -hmm. but of course uh, with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So even though Christianity was presented to them badly, God still found a way to get through. Yep. Now, I've seen that happen in other ways too. I've seen that happen people who were hurt by the church. I'm going to have a hunch you have even more stories than I do here. Mm -hmm. But people who've been hurt by the church or who've been hurt whose who's hurt they blame on Christianity because of how it was presented to them. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, I've seen, I've heard them tell stories of, oh, one of them was, was into some, oh, okay, now I'm going to come off elitist, some pretty weird new agey stuff. All right. Like, and maybe not necessarily good new agey stuff. Right. But all the same, it was clear to me that God was working through whatever they were doing. Yeah. God, God was still meeting them where they were in their pain. Yes. Okay, but I think you just hit on something that is important because we were talking about the salvation thing. And I think if we reduce the path to God, you know, when I was a kid, we used to joke around that it was fire insurance. Right. I mean. You guys get that fire? I've yeah. looked at the microphone like it's a person. It is. I know. It's you. I know. But, but you know, which is a whole fire other rabbit hole. So, so you don't, like, so you don't go hell? to hell, right? right? You get it? Okay. So yeah. um, one of these days we'll talk about is there a hell. Ooh, fun one. But. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, but if salvation is more than that right if it's really my favorite phrase this notion of like reaching into the graves we've dug ourselves and pulling us into fuller life like real life abundant life life lived to the fullest all the fun things you've been preaching on jesus is a pat is is the way the truth and life so there's something in there but what's fascinating to me is when i watch people who will write off jesus um and maybe not write off jesus but they'll write off christianity but I watch them practice a faith or a spirituality that is forming them to be more like Christ. Yeah, it's surprisingly Christian. Yeah. Uh, I, I say through my lens, of course. Right. But when, when God reaches in other ways, it's surprisingly Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe they'll never say that they're seeking to be more like Christ. Or maybe they will, but they'll say they're seeking to be more like Christ and Buddha. and. Um, yeah. And it's, when I say, I think... I, I suspect, and haven't fully worked it out my own self, but I suspect that there is Christ in many other religions, yes. too. That's kind of what I mean. That's yes. what I mean. Yeah. Yes. And there is a Christ in 
I mean, even in um, Native American traditions, and if you, there's a creative God in Hinduism. I mean, there's so much overlap. And the notion, I think, is that all of us have been trying to find God, humanity. And our culture gives us a way to frame that, all of these different things over the centuries. And you know what other, another good direction to take this is that each time this happens, each time God brings more people into the fold, I don't like how I say that either, because we're all God's children whether we know it or not. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Every, every, time, every time God uh, reveals God's self in a new way in the world, there we go, Christianity becomes richer for it. You know, I got to go on the Mozambique immersion. One of the other immersions was to uh, go to, ooh, was it New Mexico? It was a Native American immersion. Okay. And one of the things, those that went on that one, the stories they came back telling, was that they would, um, uh, they uh, even the, as they became Christian, one of the practices that they either maintained or, or rediscovered was of, I'm trying to remember the word, you, uh, it's digging a pit in the ground. Mm -hmm. There is a name for it. Oh, like a vision quest kind of thing? No, not quite. Uh, and, and again, this wasn't the one I went on, so I'm not fully up on my language and, and, and the details of what happens. Maybe some of you are too, and, and let us know. But the, um, the idea was that it would make their Christian prayer more connected to the earth. Oh, to, right, right. To dig, in, to dig into this pit, and then they sit around in this pit, uh, and when they enter it, they see themselves as not only more connected to God, but also more connected to the earth. earth. And it's a practice that came out of Native American spirituality and that is a real gift to Christianity that, mm -hmm. quite frankly, wants to ma makes me want to go dig a hole right now. Yep. yep. <laughs> I know. And it was a revelation. Yeah. I mean, people don't find these. They, I think we think they make up. I don't know. It's just interesting and, yeah, to me. Re the, the word revelation has baggage, too. So let sure. me rephrase it. It was a way that God revealed God's true self yes. and purpose. Yes. Through that. Yes. Well, and a good way to frame the religion question is, because um, I know a lot of people who say they believe in Jesus and believe in God, and, you know, the Bible talks pretty candidly about fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. If your faith practice, spirituality, is forming you into a person um, who is more loving, more just, more compassionate, more self-aware, you're on a path to God. Right. I mean, God has... A hold of your heart. God is bigger than my own understanding. It's just that I see God in Jesus, and it, and if not, if that's not happening, then I don't really care which card-carrying member you claim to be. And I'm glad you say that because one of the little things in the back of my head, one of those little caveats I wanted to make sure we get in before we're done, is that to say that God is revealed in other ways too is not to say that is not to say that every other religion is necessarily. Good. good just as not every corner of christianity is good that's right either there is also a lot of harm done and that is very much the best litmus test yes if it's making you more like christ then it's good it's good if it's creative instead of destructive and if it's mm, that's good you know because i grew up in a christianity that was incredibly destructive when we're seeing that in the in right now right bible's used as props oh, yes yeah. i just went political on that and and people claiming to reinstate a religion that marginalizes others, a form of Christianity that's ultimately very destructive. So, Okay, so we should do the other part of this question. And I'm going to do it with a big sigh because I don't have an answer for it yet. <laughs> 
But the other part of it being, is there room in Christianity for incarnation? Reincarnation. Reincarnation, not clearly, incarnation. Clearly Incar incarnation. Incarnation, <laughs> that would be the theology word for Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, reincarnation. So that, uh, just to be sure we're all on the same page, that would be the idea that when uh, when we die, we come back. It comes. And now I I know of the of the major religions of the world. I know the least about Hinduism, mm. but as I understand it, the basic idea is that there's a caste system, right? And if you if you if you do well, if you live the right life, is that the, boy? Yeah. I'm, I feel like I, I don't know enough to be saying this, but just so we have a place to talk from. Right. Then when you die, you come back as a uh, a member of a higher caste, and your and that is and that part that that death and rebirth is part of how you you climb the ladder not to success but to enlightenment. Yes. Is that is yeah, that nirvana. correct? Understand nirvana. Yes. Nirvana. And Buddhism yeah. has kind of oh. the same idea. Sorry, I just went to nineties. You just I was going to say. Sorry about that. Smells like teen Speaking of stepping on other people's religions <laughs> while trying to validate them, but okay. Uh, and Buddhism has a reincarnation. Right. Well, Hinduism and Buddhism are cousins. Yes, but it's origin. kind of what we talked about before too, with the chance to um, let go of some baggage. It's kind of another chance to purge, and recreate and relearn. It's like, what did you not? really grasp last time through so you get a second chance you get a do-over right so here's here's why i wrestle with that uh, and oh i'll bet i'll bet books have been written oh it'd be great to have a conversation with uh someone well-versed in hindu uh, and christianity right but here's what i struggle with is part of what's revealed in jesus which i believe to be the fullest revelation is death and resurrection but resurrection in such a way that is that that seems quite distinct from yeah. reincarnation. Now, when you were saying that just now, the preacher in me was thinking, well, there's a little piece of me that's reincarnated every day. Right. I mean, Jesus says to die to yourself. Yep. Uh, and if we live the Christian li life rightly, we die to ourselves every day, and we're reborn in baptism. But I, th that's that's a preacher trying to make the poetry work here. That's yeah. not really comparing what is meant in Hinduism to Christianity. I just yeah. had to get that out of my system. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's one that I don't know what to do with um, because it's it, it's a little more conflictual with what I hold very close to my heart in Jesus and what I truly believe in Jesus. Yep. I, I don't know what to do with reincarnation. Yeah, I don't either. Because, well, and I love that you called it death and rebirth when we were just talking about reincarnation. Because that, those words are meaningful in our faith. It's exactly what mm. you just said. I mean, I, I count on the rebirth. I count on dying to my shame and my destructive anger and being reborn into something greater i mean more like christ i count on that <laughs> so perhaps so perhaps i don't oh, i'm just talking i hate talking i'm the kind of guy who has to mull things over and i don't i don't like think out loud very well yeah, so what could possibly go wrong with with what i'm about to say um so perhaps one thing god teaches through reincarnation is that process mm -hmm. even if it is a less than full revelation of the afterlife right Right. Which I believe to have its fullest expression in the resurrection, not reincarnation, but resurrection that we see in Jesus. You know who else would be fun to talk to about something like that would be anyone in the rabbinical tradition? Because Jews had a 
somewhat interesting relationship with reincarnation. I'm not familiar with it. Well, even thinking it in the Ascension, um, or before the Ascension, even some people thinking that Jesus was Elijah You are right. That is there. So that would be, it would be interesting. Ooh. Getting the transfigure. He's falling down a rabbit hole in his own head, you guys. We're not, he's not even Oh, man, right this pandemic needs to go away so my brain can do fun stuff again. <laughs> Because I love this. And Tony Renee took a sip of coffee right when I said that. He's choking over here. Don't mind me. All right. No, I really do love this. So can I, uh, we're, we're coming up on our time here. Yep. So uh, as always, uh, can, I, can I just end with a story of an example of what I see? Uh, now, you know, I've had my moments. I've had my moments of less than healthy thoughts or thinking about other religions. I probably have more of it than I know. But there's at least one moment when I think I did it right. Mm -hmm. So can I share that? Yes. Uh, just as a way to bring this back down Please to do. earth and give something practical. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. There was a period of my life uh, when I was a pastor in Great Bend, Kansas. My wife was a pastor in Stafford, Kansas, which was about 45 minutes away. Our kids were not born yet. Uh, and so it was not a big deal for me to have a 45-minute commute every day. Come to think of it, a lot of people who listen to podcasts do it on their commutes. Mm -hmm. So listen up. <laughs> and during that time, I had, a, I had a moment where I discovered silent prayer, the profoundness of just sitting in silence. And part of where it led me was to, as I always do, to try to learn more. And I discovered that there was shockingly little in Christianity uh, about silent prayer. Mm -hmm. It's there. People affirm it. Mm -hmm. But as far as, like, how to... Right. As far as as far as how to grow in the practice of silence, there was very very little. And if anybody is interested, by the way, I eventually discovered Thomas Keating, which is a good Christian resource, and the Desert Fathers and Mothers also have uh, some. So it's there, but it's like it's not. You won't find it on the books bookshelf at the yeah. Christian bookstore. No, is what I'm saying here. No, you won't. So I thought, well, what's the deal with meditation? And I discovered a uh, podcast, a meditation podcast that was led by a former Buddhist monk who had taken it upon himself to start a, 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 a meditation, um, I don't know the right term, school? Yeah. Whatever it is, sure. whatever it is he had in, uh, in California somewhere. And I started listening to those meditation podcasts, and, and, and I would hear some Buddhist theology, and I'll be honest with you, the theology gets pretty weird when you go very deep into it. Weird to my eyes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when you get, and clearly I don't understand. You know, it's a completely different worldview. Mm -hmm. But I discovered that Buddhists, for whom meditation is a central practice, are not only really good at it, mm -hmm. but really good teachers at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... That is why that I can say, when I have time to tell this story, that I learned to pray as a Christian mm -hmm. from a Buddhist monk. Yep. That's cool. I learned how to pray as a Christian from a Buddhist monk. And I, I'll just give one more specific. One of, one of the visualizations that he said was, imagine yourself uh, sitting along a seashore, or actually I think a river might work better, and as your thoughts come into your head, because if you've ever tried to sit in silence, you know it doesn't work. Oh, <laughs> as a thought comes by, imagine it as a boat that is on that river. Oh. And you, you look at that boat, and then you let it continue down the river. Yeah. 
watch it drift by. Right, you just watch it drift by. Yeah. Of course the thoughts are going to come. Don't say to yourself, oh man, I'm terrible at meditation because yeah. I keep thinking. No, 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 no. Of course thoughts are going to come. Uh-huh. Just let it drift by. I love that. But, and so one day I was meditating, uh, or praying as I would say, because I do believe that's there. And all of a sudden I had a moment where I realized that I was not sitting by the shore alone. What I realized is mm. that I was sitting next to someone. You were in presence. I was in presence with a capital P. Mm-hmm. Now, a, a hardcore Buddhist would say that that is a delusion. Right. However, I experienced that as true presence. And now, when I sit in silence, I always picture myself on the shore sitting next to God, Jesus, you choose your name, I really don't care, sitting next to presence. Mm -hmm. And I learned that from the Buddhists. All truth is God's truth. There you go. And there's more too. Yeah. I was going to say, I almost brought in Aldous Huxley. Have you ever heard of his book, uh, The Perennial yes. uh, the perennial, perennial Wisdom Tradition? Yes. The perennial something. Wisdom, I thought it was. Is it wisdom? Okay. Well, now you got me thinking. I okay. Google Aldous Huxley, The Perennial, and I'll bet the other word comes up. We'll put it in the show notes, because there's also David and, Bentley Hart's pretty awesome. And so. good luck, because it's quite a book. Yeah. <laughs> but there's others that have thought this, th- uh, this too, but it, it, it's good to explore, and it gives us a wider view of what God is doing. But in the end, remember what Jody Renee said. Uh, the, the real litmus test is, does it make you more loving? Does it create rather than destroy? And does it make you more Christ-like in the grandest sense of the name? All right, any last words? Go to the cause? No, I think you just brought us to this beautiful... He does this. You brought us to this beautiful moment, point, and then it was like, and here we go. So, I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. It's I'm what here. I do. I have to end with the story. Three points in a poem. It's what I do. I'm here. All right. Thank you all for joining us. We we still have some questions, but we're kind of running a little low. Send us yeah. some. Send us some. We'd love to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. Until then, see you next time. Goodbye.